Alright, uh, let's do this one more time. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. My name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. You're listening to the number one podcast in education across the Spider-Verse, Steambox. Are those my Jordans? Hi, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast. This one is a little bit different. This one, you might be missing the usual stars of the show. The usual stars of the show just made their own podcast about love and romance called Manguko and Salami. That one was our big hit this year. We got Joyful Rebellion, which Akeem had helped us actually build a couple of years ago, f- focused around mental wellness. But our regular Steambox Versus podcast, always led by the students. But today I have different co-stars. I want to introduce them one by one. I want to start with Pilar. I'm going to come back to Pilar in a second too. But I want to start with Pilar. Pilar McLeod of A Sweet Creation. How you doing? I am amazing. All right. I don't know what note that was, but she just hit a note for you also. Pilar, can you tell us about A Sweet Creation? Can you also tell us why it's so important to this community? Sure. So I am the CEO and founder of A Sweet Creation. We are 17 years old. We started in Oneyville, and we are important to the community because we are community servants. We do more community service before 5 a.m. than most people do in their whole entire lives. There is no service that we won't do. We are not limited just to Providence. We've done service in Boston, Providence, New York, Philadelphia, um, Atlanta, Florida, Alabama, Flint, Michigan, Ferguson, Missouri, and Puerto Rico, just to name a few. When you and I first met, we started talking about the work that you were doing in Flint, Michigan. And I was like, yo, that's dope. How can we cross over? And, we, and we've been talking ever since and trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, I really appreciate you. You've given examples and you said uh, of the places that you've been, but give me one example of something that you're proud of from a sweet creation this year so that the so that our audience has an example of what to expect from a sweet creation. I know you said anything, all the services, any and all, but give me like one thing that you're proud of. The thing that I'm proud of, what they did when COVID first started. When COVID started, the students said, "Miss Pilar, I feel like we've been preparing for this all our, the, the entire time, all our lives, because we have done so much community service. And when the community needed us the most, we were there. We delivered food. We delivered medications to people who couldn't get out of their homes. We delivered incontinent supplies and had people pick pick them up if they had folks who couldn't get their incontinent supplies, senior citizens, people who had disabilities. And we delivered food to people who had COVID, who could not get any service from the state or the city with that COVID relief. But we can talk about that another time. Okay? We could actually talk about that this time a little later on because there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges in this community when it comes to coordinating at the state level, at the city level, and uh, particularly with Providence schools. So I'm hoping to actually touch on that a little bit more. Maybe you could tell me a little bit more. My man, Akeem. Akeem helped me build Joyful Rebellion. I hate when uh, Steambox, because we're a nerd organization doing Steam, and I hate when everybody's like, oh, you're the you're the group that goes to Japan and does that stuff. It's like, yo, it's, it, Japan is like a detail of what we do. And... I know Akeem gets pigeonholed with this trip that he takes students to Southern Africa. I'll let him tell you more about it, but there's so much more to Akeem and there's so much more to a leadership journey. 
Akeem, welcome. Man, what up, what up, what up, what up, y'all? So appreciate you for having me be a part of this. Um, um, I'm literally standing on the shoulders of two giants in this room right now, Miss Pilar McLeod. And she, I was about to say her name. Let me pause. Let me pause right there. It's a special guest. But uh, nah, nah, man. Um, my name is Joaquin Boy, uh, founder of the Leadership Journey, Youth Leadership and Travel Nonprofit Organization. Um, and I start with the leadership piece because, as you said, um, oftentimes folks mistake us for just being this travel organization. And this is really important, not just to me, but important to this organization and how we're viewed that we are also put into the same light and understanding as a youth development nonprofit organization that focuses on mental emotional health, wellness education, leadership, advocacy, advocacy, education, and development, as well as cultural education through travel. And so um, for us being able to to have a foundation of seven years strong, seven years consistent in delivering programs that we believe we are good at um, is something that I do not take for granted. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this work and serve this community and the world people and families who live in it. Before we, I think the audience should know, I just pulled out. You are seen, you are heard, you are loved. This is a book written by one of the members of this group. Akeem, what can people expect to find in this book? So this book was written during the time uh, around COVID, where the, the data and the numbers were coming out around youth mental emotional health declining. So shout out to R.I. Kids Count for doing an amazing job and doing that research. Um, but I think we all can say that that COVID didn't tell us it was happening. It only amplified and, and, and it made real that young people were experiencing challenges of depression, suicide, anxiety, stress. So this book, for me, what I hope people understand if you go purchase it is that I'm sharing stories of young people that I had the opportunity to work with during a time where they were also experiencing mental, emotional, academic challenges. And I share this journey that I experienced while working with them on how they then went from uh, not doing the greatest to actually doing better. And so I'm, I was hoping that this book can serve as a piece of the conversation to help amplify the importance of mental emotional health for youth in our community. I want people to know that you're out there doing that. You're out there doing the work. And what's wild is you kind of joined the community probably a little later than some of the other people in the room and some of the people from part one, aside from Elliot. You've made a huge impact, right? Because I'm thinking about what it was like for me going through that book and you were very vulnerable. You were very raw. You showed your darkest times and shared that with people. And I feel like it's super inspirational because people can see that you made it and that they can too. It's not a, you, you can pull yourself up from the bootstraps. I went to Harvard, so you could do, go to Harvard too. It's none of that bullshit. 
you just took the journey and you took step by step and you're encouraging others to go with you. So I just want to thank you for that. I think that was dope. Not for sure. Um, I mean, cause that's, that's, that's not my story. Right. So I can't, I can't tell a story that, that, that isn't mine. Um, and, and truth be told, I, the book isn't even meant to share my story. I'm to, to write a book about me. One day I will, but it's really about highlighting the stories of these young people and what they were experiencing. And I just use pieces of my story as an adult to then, to then help like share like, yo, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not by yourself. And so this idea of, um, you are seen, you are heard, you are loved was, was my way of being able to just let young people know, I see you, I hear you and I love you. For me, that, that slogan is, I don't know when the last time you've been seen. So when you walk into our space, I'm letting you know, I see you. I don't know when the last time you've been heard, but when you walk into our space, I'm letting you know, we hear you. And I don't know when the last time you heard the word, I love you. So I'm telling you everything. I feel that from you. And it, it takes me aback sometimes because I'm, I'm texting you and it's just so outside the norm of toxic masculinity and the culture that I grew up in when I'm texting you and you text me back, like, I love you, bro. And I'm like, it hits me, right? It's like, like I, I feel completely unworthy. There are parts of that book where you shared, I know you were talking about how um, how you want, you want that message to be elsewhere and the lens to be elsewhere, but the people in this room, for our audience, our audience knows their own bullshit. So the, the people in this room are so real and so raw and so vulnerable and put that stuff, put that stuff out there. And I feel like that's why, that's why there's such excellent leadership from within this room, you shared a story about getting bullied. And I think you ended up in like a trash can or something like that. And it's wild to like, like people don't talk like that, right? Like people talk about their highlights. People talk about their social media where they have all their trips and all this stuff. That's, they put that stuff on front street, but you're sharing your vulnerabilities for the world. And I want you to know that the world thanks you. We got one more guest. We got Shonda Woe. Shonda Womack is here. Uh, my homie from way, way back. Particularly one of the things I'm really interested in in is the the saviorism that comes in funding the dismantling almost the white supremacy of the funding system shonda approaches that line and fights like the rebel that she is and i need to learn i was telling pilar i need to learn from both of them because i go over that line and i end up being like no fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool fuck you i'm out right like that kind of thing but shonda can get up to that and then so and then nobody wants to fuck with me but shonda can walk up to that line Say those things and then be like, now what you going to do for me? Shonda from Arise, tell me a little bit more about Arise. Hey, y'all. Thank you for having me. I was tired coming into this podcast, but um, y'all just energized me. Um, Shonda Womack here. Um, Chinda is the Cambodian pronunciation and Shonda is the assimilated pronunciation. Um, I'm the founder and executive director of Arise, which stands for the Alliance of Rhode Island, Southeast Asians for Education. Um, we combined leadership training and community organizing um, with youth of color to fight for education justice. Um, so that's Arise. We are very unapologetic about our shit. Um, we do our work through a Black liberation lens. Um, I think that we are very explicit about that. And what that means is that, you know, our liberation is tied to the liberation of our Black siblings, um, recognizing that Black bodies, right, um, are um, most oppressed 
in this country, in the history of the United States. So yeah, that's us. We have youth leadership programs, which is the heartbeat of our organization. So our young people engage, engage in political education training um, and they lead campaigns, right? So they're very much in the forefront of the fight um, because they are the most impacted stakeholder when you talk about education justice work. So for me, I'm a believer in that those who are most impacted should be um, centered. Give me an example of uh, one of the campaigns or or one thing that you're super proud of from your work this year. And I'm going to definitely toss it back to Akeem at some point. You know, that's really hard, Roberto, because I've been reflecting, I think that particularly in like BIPOC-led spaces, we don't spend enough time celebrating things that we're proud of because we're like grinding, right? Grinding. And I had a board meeting late June where, you know, I get to share with the board all of the accomplishments. And I'm like, damn, I'm on slide 30 and it's still going. And I'm like, we did all this in one year. So I, it's going to be hard for me to just elevate um, one thing, but some highlights are, right? Like our young people are in the in the forefront of the Police Free Schools campaign um, with other member orgs like PSU, Youth in Action, and um, Young Voices. Young people are also leading the fight for ethnic studies. They're done with white-centric curriculum, right? They want histories that reflect them, reflect their people, elevate the ideologies, talk about, you know, structural racism at the intersectionality of all these other isms, right? Um, and then, like, yo, like, we may have not legally won the Cook versus Ramondo lawsuit, but let's not forget, like, Arise and PSU youth were in the front of that lawsuit, like, suing the state for an adequate civics education. And legally, we may have not won, but the judge was clear and like, yo, our young people I don't have any legal right to like move this to Supreme Court, but I I want to say that our young people are really calling and pointing out some of these, um, you know, inequities that exist. And by way of that, Ride established a task force to revamp the whole civics education curriculum with young people on that task force, right? So we're going to be in these law books. So if you go to law school, you're going to be reading about our work. So, I mean, like, it's it's fire. Like, we're really nationally known for that work. And we're also, like, a leader in the data disaggregation work for Southeast Asian students, right? Um, and given the Supreme Court ruling, fucking awful, right? I mean... The You're referring to uh, the dismantling of affirmative action? Awful shit. Awful shit. And then you want us to celebrate this country on July 4th. Are you shitting me? After Thursday and Friday... Y'all just, it's wild to me. But we out here, though. We out here celebrating July 4th without a thought, right? Like, so many people, like, it just, it's just business as usual to so many people. It's like, our country's racist, so what, right? Like, and what, we, we're so used to it. But the people that we're talking to now and the people that we talked to in the in the last podcast, Young Voices and Youth in Action and several other organizations, they're out there fighting for this stuff continuously speaking of fighting for this stuff i had a i had a pivot and i wanted to ask you guys about your pivot pilar already hinted at uh some of hers and i'll let her expound on that in a moment covid really made me rethink things covid made me our steambox science technology engineering arts and math right like like it's it's pro-academic i decided a long time ago that i don't give a shit if my student goes to college right like what their future looks like what their success looks like is is up to them 
And I just want to help them have the tools along the way so that they can reach their goals, right? Um, but it maybe take several steps further back. How important are the structures of academics? Like Shonda and I went to class school. Like the the structure of academics and the way that they are. She talked about civics and 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 redoing civics. I'm like, you know what? All of it can go. I teamed up with Akeem because I realized as right when they let people back out of the house, when they let people back out of the house, y'all remember all the shootings that we had in Providence. And one of my students was talking uh, about, he was talking on the podcast about like a, a mass shooting, like multiple people got uh, shot in front of his house. And it was like everyday business routine to him. And I'm like, hold on. we it, It's everyday to you because you're not stopping to process it. We need to process it. Steam is the lens in which I'm working on wellness. That's my one goal for all the students. Now through Steam, that's my like avenue to Steam. But but it was COVID that made me think about that. And this podcast has really helped in ways that I you know talked about in the intro. Uh, Akeem, I really appreciate you, brother, for helping me with uh, a joyful rebellion. Even part of the name, I know you know. Even part of the name is inspired by you. Uh, and that's continued on for three years straight. So Steambox has talked about how we pivoted um, during the pandemic and how that's changed, how we're moving forward. Akeem, I had a moment, and I apologize because I'm definitely one minute too long already on this. I had a moment where we're like, all right, everybody's in lockdown. So let's still do a hackathon, but let's do it from everybody's house over Zoom. Let me bring them tools. Let me bring them food. I thought... Akeem, I thought I was innovative. I thought I was some cutting edge shit. I'm bringing my students grub. I'm bringing them like steam tools. I brought them computers. And I got to this one student's house and he was like, oh, you're the second person to come through here today. My boy's doing a program uh, for a leadership journey and they're doing this wellness program and they got this food today. I was the second organization to deliver this food to one house. Akeem, how, bro? First of all, can I even go back to what? Can I just go back to what Shonda said? Because, because like, I'm sitting here jumping up my seat because I'm like, man, you better talk heavy, like, talk your shit, sis. Just hearing her talk about what they're doing, man. I'm I'm like, I just always get so inspired. And the same thing goes for Pilar because I, I, I get a chance at Babu to, to watch y'all both do y'all thing. And, and and for somebody uh, like me, young and new, I mean, I'm watching people not only set the tone, I'm watching y'all like lay the foundation, the cement, everything. So, um, man, I was just sitting here jumping out my seat for real, cause that shit's so real. Um, it's always cheap to the buck. So in terms of this summer wellness program, really quickly, man, like, again, I, I, I think about health every day and and I, I knew that in the moment of what we needed to do in that moment as an organization was uh, to amplify what we what one of our values was our because it, it, it was getting buried under all of the travel stuff and and so when COVID hit I was like y'all what can we what can we create what can we do to still give us an opportunity to stay connected to the community, work with the community, provide our programming. Um, 
and health and wellness it was. And so I sat back and I said, y'all, let's do a whole summer program just focusing on health and wellness. Every weekend, we gonna give them some sort of wellness education, some sort of activity, but we gonna keep it to our values. We gonna make it free, we gonna make it accessible. So that every Saturday, they're going to get whatever they need through us so that they can participate in whatever it is that we got planned. And uh, we just started, man. Like, literally just started reaching out to people, um, getting other community vendors involved. And next thing I know, we were able to run that summer program. And so to be able to keep it going and to be a four, again, I'm just grateful. Akeem, hang on one second. There's one part, there's one thing I want to ask you about. And thank you for sharing about the pivot. I thought it was beautiful. I had the utmost respect for you on that day when that student told me uh, that y'all were delivering stuff too, because I felt like, I felt like for once, I felt like I was doing something right. And you still beat me to it. But you said something else that I thought was really important. That stuff that you did is the same as the stuff that I did in this one aspect. It was free 99. All the stuff that I'm doing for students, like when when I'm taking them to Japan and all that stuff, this is free. This is like, I want the students who couldn't afford to do this stuff necessarily. Like if you can't afford it, then go. You know what I mean? Like, like then go. If you want to come with us, that's cool too. But it's really important to me that this stuff is free. And I just want to pause for a moment and reflect. Since we have this these kind of organizations in the room, I'm not talking about Shonda here. I'm talking about Pilar and Akeem and Steambox, where we are small. We are micro organizations compared to the juggernaut that Shonda has. Uh, she's a juggernaut. Stop lying. Stop lying. She's shaking that head. No. But how can you afford? Because I was out there with computers. I was out there with food. And it was a hustle. How can you afford to do this stuff for free? Oh, I'll please let me say something. Please, please do. Please do. Let me tell you how a sweet creation can offer our services for free to the community. But we are not free. It costs me the org something. First of all, I'm begging. I'm begging at every door I'm at. Shonda, no, that's why she's making faces. I'm begging when I get to whatever fundraisers I'm going to, whatever meet and greets. I'm trying to partner with people to make sure that we can get either your time, get the item, or get the money to do the thing. That's number one. Number two, I'll take no for an answer. When I meet you, you're going to give me what I want. Not because I want it, but because I, the, the students need it, the community needs it. And number three, when I go to these school departments and go to these other places, and I'll name some of them United Way, Rhode Island Foundation, I said it. When I go there, I'm applying. I want the money. Why? Because you got it. You're giving the money to organizations that ain't doing half the work we doing, and then they're not producing, but you want my numbers so that you can put it in your report so it can look like everybody's out here kicking ass when everybody ain't kicking ass. That's how we do it over at the Sweet Creation. Our trips are free for the students too. They don't pay nothing. They don't want the Flint to volunteer for free. We take them for free. We pay their transportation. We pay their room and board. We provide one meal, continental breakfast, and then they gotta go work. And all they gonna get from me is a letter that says, thank you for showing up. Here's your community service hours. If you need them, if a court requires it. But when I see a person and, that, and I know I could smell the shmoney on them, the shmoney, I'm leaving with the shmoney. Because there were some people at Culture Fest. I'm heading up tomorrow 
Because I want that money. That's how we roll. Because I'm from the Bronx and we ain't having it. One of the first times that I met Pilar, we were at an event for Brother Ray Smith, uh, who's also out there in the community doing stuff. And um, it's wild because I don't have like a religious bone in my body, but like I really love this dude and I, I love the work that he's doing in the community. And she's out there. Uh, this is a fundraiser for him. And she's out there hustling like I've never seen before. She was like, you better take that money. I will find it. I'll shake you upside down until the money falls out of your pockets and we're scooping it up. And it felt like we didn't even have a choice at that point. It felt like, well, damn, I guess I just got to give them all my money. That's what's up. So Pilar, Pilar's real. Pilar can do it. But this is one of the reasons that I'm attaching myself to Pilar. Because as, as, as we talked about this offline, as somebody who... Uh, it pretends not to be when you hear me on this podcast, but in real life, very much an introvert. I don't have that in my soul to do what you did. I actually hate money. I hate asking for anything. And we out there hustling in our own kind of weird, unique way, looking for like sponsorships for the podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, I would say that um, I think I guess I just want to elevate that, you know, a few orgs came together, a few nonprofit orgs led by folks of color came together and established the Rhode Island Solidarity Fund. So Arise, Prism, George Wiley, Dare, Amore, right? We were seeing that of all these funds that were coming out, they were not reaching the most disenfranchised, right? So like, if you ain't got an address, where are folks sending, you, sending a check to, right? So we're talking about folks facing housing insecurity, food insecurity, um, right. So we established the Rhode Solidarity Fund and we applied for grants collectively as for monthly donors. We redistributed over $160,000 $160, talking about keeping folks in their homes, right? Gift cards to young people, um, making sure young people was, was able to pay for their tuition because, you know, parents weren't working because folks were like, had to stay home, right? So we're not talking about folks with these full-time jobs that could literally go remote. We were talking about like parents who are working part-time who needed to be there to get the work done, right? So I think that was our biggest pivot. But I will say what was something that we learned and really like blew our biases out the water was it was liberating for half of our students we were serving to go on Zoom. We were like, and then it was debilitating for the other half. So we were like, wow, like some of our young people were literally thriving in this virtual space, while some of them were like, yo, we need to share space today, right? So I think that was something that uh, allowed us to think differently about how we work. And because of that, we established a Minnesota chapter of Arise this year. This year, you partnered with one of the, you know, high schools there. Um, and because now we can do our programs virtually, and our one our anti-racist director um, for programs and curriculum is in Minnesota. So she's sort of like this nomadic deputy director. But we wouldn't be able to establish chapters in different states had it not been for us rethinking about how learning happens. I talked I talked about how Pilar was out there hustling. Uh, Akeem talks about the hustle. I talk about like like the the hustle is a little bit different. Um, and we're going right to the roots. And I'm watching a lot of what you do. And I love it. And I almost even even though I don't really feel like I have the capacity in my soul, like I don't I don't have the skill set that you do. I could I could cuss people out all day like you do, but I can't follow it up 
with the appropriate measures on how people can come back in to good graces and do good shit in the community. I, I worship you for that. You are dope with that because you do it. I look at people and I feel like you're mission drifting. You are like, like I see your mission. I see what you say you want to do out here with these kids, but you're not. You're out here chasing dollars. Shonda and I came up through the same organization that gave us a lot of really good stuff. They gave us a lot of good stuff. But I bet Shonda and I both feel like that multi-million dollar organization, our smaller orgs are both running laps around that mucker right now. I'm being real. Like we had like a rise and Steambox and a sweet creation. Yo, Akeem's, Akeem's going to South Africa. We're not even talking about the basic programs that he's doing. We're not even talking about the wellness stuff that he's doing. We're not talking about him making the runs to feed students like he's doing. But I'm saying... Like, just on the most basic level, we're running laps around these larger organizations. And something that really, really bothers me is when I see the organ. Pilar mentioned, uh, Pilar mentioned that some of the organizations ain't doing shit, but they they cash in the checks. And when I see 401 Gives, which should be, 401 Gives should be like a really positive debt, right? And I know United Way is trying. I, I, I respect that United Way is trying with that part. But I feel like United Way is missing the mark by by a great deal. One of the conversations I had with uh, United Way, and I know I'm going all roundabout, so please forgive me. I will get there. Uh, one of the conversations I had with United Way when we're talking about building a, a resource center for small nonprofits is what's a small nonprofit? And they're like, well, under $500,000. I'm like, yo, yo, like 87% of the nonprofits in Rhode Island are like under 100 that's not a small nonprofit. That's just a nonprofit. You, you're talking about is a nonprofit. Stop saying small nonprofit. So 401 gives, you would think that they're going to boost small nonprofits, but every year Foster Forward is leading the charge. The college crusade is making bank. And with the exception of our friends, Peter with Young Voices, right? And I can, like, I can say, I see them doing the work. I want to call them out and be like, yo, they're mission drifting. They're putting all their resources into 401 gifts. They are not. That would be a lie. They are really doing dope work. I love them and respect them for it. And Shonda is my hero and so many other people's hero in this community too. And she's making, and she's killing it on 401 Gives. And then we'll get a couple hundred bucks. Pilar, Steambox is going to get scraps. I don't know how Akeem's doing. As a matter of fact, I think Pilar, I think Pilar was not even eligible for 401 Gives. So 401 Gives is like, I, I, I appreciate what United Way is doing. But like, thanks, but no thanks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need a day to make the large nonprofits larger while the small nonprofits get their crumbs. So Shonda, how have you been able to do both? Because I'm looking at you as the rare person who can balance chasing funds for your organization, for the success of your organization without mission drifting. How are you able to do both of those things? Because whenever I feel like I'm doing one, I'm not doing the other. Yeah, I'm going to say that when we were first founded, we wanted it to our organization to be grassroots funded. And what we mean by that was my goal when we were first founded, we were going to secure what we call monthly donors. And those were going to be the aunties, the abuelas, the means, the foods. Like, you know, college students will be impacted by our work. Um, so they were going to give monthly. If it was $5, we were taking that. It was $100, we were taking that. So for me, 401 gives is about base building for me, right? Like I call it a day of capitalism, right? We're actually actually developing a guide to 401 gives that is actually going to be comical. There is actually going to be comical and y'all going to love it because I we're including screenshots of 
like what the humans that were helping Arise raise funds for that day or what they were saying. And it was like these breaking points. Like it was you starting to ask your friends, you know, real nicely, like, hey, y'all, you know, I'm on the board of Arise and this is the work they do. Can y'all give? And then like 48 hours later, you ain't asking that nice. We're like, yo, fools, I need y'all to give today because it gets matched. Like, we're, you know, so we recognize that is a day of capitalism, but we also recognize that, yo, this literally aligns with our base building work, right? We want folks in the community, which we say that we're in service to, to actually own our mission, which means that, yo, you are invested in this work, right? You get to tell us how we use these funds. So for me, um, the 401 Gives has really helped me serve a purpose because my board does annual pills every year. Now we do an annual pill in Christmas. I'm going to ask people for money during Christmas time. I ain't never understood that at all. So now what y'all just did it over like Giving Tuesday. We don't do Giving Tuesday. We don't do, we don't do that annual pill because you know what? 401 Gives is where we, you know, for... 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it is, this year was 72 hours. We have a plan in place. And we just hit up all our national folks as well. Like the reason why we were we continue for three years in a row to get the most unique donors is because our work just does not live in Rhode Island. We we, you know, we go across state lines, right? So if you look at we probably have the most unique area codes of donors. I challenge, I challenge United Way to look into that because I know we're going to be up top, you know? And I also look at other organizations like you're right, Roberto, like, right? Like there has to be a, there has to be some, something that 401 gives us or United Way does that really um, elevates organizations who are already disenfranchised, who already come into this space. Like really, Pilar, like you couldn't be part of 401 gives, like y'all need to tell us about why Pilar couldn't be part of 401 Gives, right? Like, why not? This is a Black-run, Black-woman-run organization. Why not? The other piece is... Can I, can I just say, when I'm doing work with the Children's Youth Cabinet, uh, they're real quick to show off uh, Pilar's work. They're real quick to be like, here's Pilar doing a bunch of this stuff. And, and it's not just the Children's Youth Cabinet. And don't, even pay, and don't even pay her on time because straight up, she is not the only Black... Oh. She is not the only black woman who I've had to sit down or black man who I have sit down in my office like your labor is being completely exploited because if they were asking a white woman or a white man for this intellectual and experiential knowledge, they were putting a good five G's, 10 G's, right? So how dare you continue to do this work for free? Yeah. Like we can talk about like we're doing this for the community and then also I could keep it all the way, all the way real because our own people have been so indoctrinated that they got the nerve to come and ask for free labor under the guise of you giving back to the community. No, boo boo. You need to you need to tell me what your budget is, or you need to fundraise for me to come and speak and let me make the decision on whether or not it is giving back to the community. Because from what I know, from from where I'm sitting, all of us here gives back to the community in very laborious ways. The other piece is, you know, Roberto, the spaces that we're privileged to be in, we have served as community advisors myself and, you know, or some of Arise Youth leaders for Nellie May. So anytime we get to be in philanthropic spaces, we're always pushing them around their thinking and how funding happens, how reporting spending happens, right? Like, so we're also sort of challenging the ways in which they think about philanthropy. Um, because we got some clear non-negotiables and that's why you see people mission drifting because straight up, 
we have said no to some funding that is just like, no, that don't align, align with our work. We can't, we can't. Did we need the money? Absolutely. But not at the expense of our values. That's not happening like that. Same thing. Uh, same thing with us, with the United Way, 25K. It was like, no, thank you. Please take it back. We're not doing like what you're asking us to do with this 25K. We said Pilar's name a bunch of times. Pilar, I'm going to hand her the mic. I'm going to let her spit fire in just a second. But before we do, one of the things that you talked about and taking advantage of black women who are doing the work uh, Angie's doing, Angie is, is Rhode Island Foundation right now. Angie is Rhode Island Foundation right now. If you go to their website and look through, just like I said, Pilar was on some of the other places. If you go to their website and you look at the, the work they're doing in the community, you're going to see Angie. You're going to see Angie, Angie, Angie. And I know that that would have been a great step for Angie. It's the next evolution for Angie when they're looking for a new director of a uh, new president of Rhode Island Foundation. But then they go and get somebody who didn't even apply for the job. They went out of their way to get a white dude who didn't even apply to the job. You, you know what? Let me say to people of color in this room, I hate that I do believe, right? Like I do believe, all right, Cicilline's rich, connected. He's probably going to bring in more money to Rhode Island Foundation. I hate that I could do that math, right? But Rhode Island Foundation, when I have to apply for, for a grant from Rhode Island Foundation, those motherfuckers are going to ask me how many people of color work for Steambox. They're going to ask me how many people of color I'm serving. They're going to ask me how many people of color are on my board. How many people of color are on your board, right? Because you just, you had a community leader in your grasp who was next in line for that position and you circumvented them so that you can go out of your way to get this dude. It, what you said just kind of reminded me of that and I felt like I had to say that it's something that eats me up. It burns me up every day. I have a hard time moving forward with Rhode Island Foundation, but it's not just them. It's POC Foundation too, because they got some gatekeeping muffins at POC Foundation. They got the kind of people at POC Foundation that person of color or not, man, you you ain't it. You ain't it. You know, you pick any of those categories. Woo, baby, where do I start? Baby, where do I start? Baby, where do I start? First, let me start by saying publicly, if the folks don't know, you about to know. A sweet creation was gonna close our doors and along came COVID. And along with COVID came what? No more money. Because the bulk of our money made is doing what? Programs in schools and being funded that way. We have had to call Shonda Womack a few times to come and get in some asses when checks didn't come through like they were supposed to after folks done done six, seven months of work and the school year is over. And all of a sudden, when I call superintendent and say Shonda's coming, the check is ready and I can go pick it up. But I ain't trying to say nothing. And let me be the first to tell you, Shonda Womack, a rise is how a sweet creation survived COVID. Because Shonda cut more checks to my students than I could ever cut. She was paying them. She was giving them money for their time for volunteering. And Gabe Mirnoff was the was the student that said, nope, give my money back to the organization. I don't want to take it. I don't really need it. So if it wasn't for Arise, Sweet Creation would have been out here. We'd have been on the struggle bus, baby. We might not have made it. So I wanted to say that publicly first. That's number one. Number two, you said child youth cabinet. And I started off with them as a facilitator. But after I saw some things that were not inclusive, equitable, or diversified, I had questions. 
So I went to their deputy director and had several conversations over several long periods and advocated harder than I ever did when I was in the NAACP. But you know what? Things got right and finances got in order quickly because I was like, well, if you're not going to do it, you know, you don't have to, but I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell everybody and anybody because we cannot serve black and brown communities while we are still being disparaging towards black and brown people who work for said organization who are claiming that they serve said community. That's number two. Number three, you mentioned the Papito Foundation. And oh, the Papito Get them. Get them. They are so... Let me tell you something. I ain't never seen black folks shit on other black folks harder than them. And as for Barbara, Barbara, I sent you an email, girl, and I ain't heard no response. You can't get a response from these people. They lose applications. People apply and don't get no response. And I'm talking about black and brown grassroots organizations who've been out here longer than I've seen Barbara. And I'm gonna talk about my own organization. We applied, we had to do it two times. And guess what? The black man holding the gate key. What was his name? What's his name? You know his name. What's his name? What's the black man name? His What's name his is Arnell. Arnell Millhouse. So when right. the Millhouse has not gotten back to me, we never got a check. Our application got lost. They told us we needed to reapply during their funding process, although we applied during their funding process and they only gave their funds to certain people. But I ain't bitter. You know why? Because my mother said all money ain't good money. And if we didn't get that money, it must not have been meant for us to get that money because there was other money that was meant for us to get. So Barbara can keep that. But you ain't out here serving black folks, Barbara. And to all you other organizations aligning yourself with a Rhode Island Foundation, United Way, you need to check the credentials and find out who's on Barbara's feet. Because those folks over there ain't trying to help all black and brown folks. And the damn ain't trying to help grassroots black and brown orgs who've been out here for five years, 10 years. Steambox should have had a check. Arrive should have had a check. A leadership journey should have had a check. Somebody should have came in and said, hey, for the black and brown orgs, all you papito workers, go to these people. Here's an application. Fill it out. Let's approve them on the spot like you can get a bank loan. But we don't want to talk about that. Because the question is, there's money to be made off the backs of black and brown people and keeping us broken poor. There's money to be made in piss poor education in black and brown communities. There's money to be made. All these people, Angelica and all these folks, got three, got six-figure salaries. If you're making over 250000 and my education system still sucks, you need to give your check back because somebody ain't doing their job at work. Just as, that's just my humble opinion out in these streets. We've gotten a little bit into the saviorism. Uh, there's a whole story about how uh, there was a legacy of racism and now she's trying to give back. And I feel like maybe the right thing to do is to get uh, a prominent black leader uh, from the community to to run your board, right? Like, I feel like, okay, I, I understand your math, right? But this dude, I had a falling out with him when uh, the, the paper ran a series called Race in Rhode Island. And I was talking about how it, the, the person at, at Dunkin' Donuts who wrote Black Lives Matter on a cup, like, what should the response be? There's, the response should be, yes, they do. Yes, Black Lives do matter. Like, how can I help? Right? Like, why is that so hard? Right? Like, that was my response. This dude, the black man that she got to, to represent people of color 
The black man that she got opposed me on that publicly and said, no, all lives matter. And you see his white ass constituents, every white friend he had came out of the woodwork to, to applaud this man. When he hit me with the no, all lives matter, we go back and forth. And then he did another thing with his coding organization where when, uh, when we had the George Floyd protests, his organization uh, the next day did some cleanup stuff and posted about it, about how after like the animalistic riots, like his organization went out there to help clean up the streets. And man, this dude, this, this is the, this is the black man that you get to represent people of color. Like, I, I don't know, man, somebody, somebody should whisper in her ear and be like, I see you trying, but this ain't it. But let me tell you something, Roberto. I'm, I'm sorry, Shonda, but let me tell you something, Roberto. Everybody black is not for the liberation of black and brown people. Everybody black doesn't want to see black folks win. Everybody black don't care. Some black folks are like, I got mine. And I don't give a damn if you don't never get yours. But I got mine. I got my money. I got my home. I got it for me and my family. So if you don't get yours, that is your problem. And they will either not help you or keep giving you crumbs because they don't want to see you succeed. Now, those are the black folks. Unfortunately, it looks like Barbara might have aligned herself with. And I don't know Arnell outside of the one time I met him and saw him and the one Zoom conversation I had. I'm not saying this is a bad, that doesn't make these people bad people. What these people are, in my opinion, are selfish. How can you want something only for you? If I'm here to help all black orgs, then I want to know every black org because everybody getting a check. But everybody, I don't see any other way. And if the org is doing the work, then why aren't we giving them the money? Like you said, my name is mentioned a million times. Shonda's name is mentioned a million times. Angie Bannerman and Coma's name is mentioned a million times. Okay, so why is this still being mentioned? So you can mention us to get the credibility, but you don't want to mention us to cut the check. They tokenized folks of color from various community groups, and they had those humans make the decisions on who should get funded. So my thing is to like find out who those tokenized folks were, who allowed themselves to be tokenized. And some people, I mean, I've allowed myself to be tokenized for the greater good multiple times, but I made that decision, right? Find out who those people are and ask them those questions because that's who she brought together, right? Like, so for me, this human that we're talking about what we don't talk a lot about is intersectionality, right? It sounds like there is racism at the intersectionality of socioeconomic class, right? So his proximity to whiteness has definitely, has definitely tainted his analysis. And it also feels like there's some internalized oppression that he got to work on. Because if you're saying all lives matter, you clearly, you clearly are not directly impacted by the shit that black men or black bodies are impacted by, right? That's, that is really harmful. Like, let's put together a fucking op-ed and call his ass out because I didn't even know about that shit. I didn't even hear about his ass, but I'm ready for it. There's a couple things. One, I don't, let me start with context. When it comes to a lot of these grants, definitely will never change the mission of our work to get any grant. Start there for those who don't know me or this organization, but I'll start there too. When it comes to grants, and we're actually applying to these grants, we are looking for grants that 
also align with the work that we do. And if we can't apply those grants, if we can't apply the funding to those grants to the work that we do, we're not going to apply to it. When it comes down to the to the foundations and the folks that were mentioned, I'll start with United Way because uh, Pilar mentioned something that I thought was extremely powerful to acknowledge, and I'm so thankful that you that you gave Shonda her flowers, um, because just as much as people see Shonda as going to go light shit on fire, she's also one of the nicest human beings who will look out for her people and the people that she loved. When it when COVID happened in 2020, we were also in a position where our doors were about to shut down because I didn't have a job, so I didn't have no salary. I didn't have no money coming in. And the only money that was, was available was listing Uber, and that no longer was available because COVID was shutting down drives, right? So our first grant, our first grant didn't even come until 2020 of COVID. We started doing our work in 2016. And so United Way ended up giving us this grant, right? And that not only helped the leadership journey, the liver program, but it also helped me finally be able to give myself something on the side. And I say that just for context, because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, all this, all, all of what we're talking about when it comes to like holding people accountable, looking into the eyes of folks who are really about um, serving and providing funding, how it should be, how it should be given. I'm also about this conversation too. And as much as, and I shared this with folks at UW, as much as I appreciate it, the funding that I received from you, there's a lot of miscues, a lot of mishaps that folks on their end have dropped the ball on. And I don't say that because we didn't get funding on different from different grants. I'm saying it because I'm sitting back and I and 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 I'm watching how other orgs are, and I'm just like, yo, the way that the processing needs to be can be a lot better. And unless y'all really want to improve, y'all got to start bringing us to the table. Like, you can't bring folks who are actually doing the work to the table to talk about, oh, how should we give this money? Oh, who gets the money? Oh, what are they doing? Mom, bring bring the folks who are actually doing the work to the table and, and, and actually hear what we have to say and then implement that, right? Um, when it comes to the Rolanda Foundation, yeah, we received grants for them in the past. Again, extremely grateful, extremely grateful. But to what was mentioned earlier about how they going about internal work, like you and you gave a great analogy, Roberto, in terms of what they ask of us to be present in our orgs, for you to be one of the largest and claim that 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 the communities you want to serve and impact is something that you care about but don't have your leadership look like the same communities you say you care about, that's the problem. That's the problem. And you've had an amazing opportunity to shift that culture and break that cycle when you drop the ball. When it comes to POC, right? When it comes to POC, I don't know Arnell like 
others may know him. But I will say this. I do believe, Shonda, you are correct when it comes to this tokenizing folks to be the spokesperson. I also will say this. Have we gotten a grant for them? Sure have. And this was before I knew. This is be like, I knew the reason why they started. But all this information that y'all are sharing now, like, I didn't know any of that. And part of the reason is because I try to stay my ass out of those type of out of those type of political like um, conversations when it comes to like oh you you do great work so you comic you do this like no no I got I got stuff to do right and so we're not talking about how we want to help organizations do what we do we're not talking about bringing in money helping organizations sustain themselves I'm not about to be a token I don't have time for that. You were talking about uh, the hustle that you were doing outside of work just so you could work. And I can tell you that Steambox worked in a, a, Roberto worked in a group home for a year because that's how long it took Providence to pay for Steambox. Think about this. I'm working overnight full time to go immediately from there into the school so I could work full time before it took the full year for PPSD to pay Roberto. So the grind that we had to have just to make our organizations work is a whole podcast in itself. I hope you guys will join me for that at some point. I, I wanna, we're definitely not gonna do justice to this topic of uh, the toxicity that we're ex experiencing in PPSD. There's a reason that the people in this room work with young people and, and in part one as well, uh, because I was really hoping that maybe uh, you guys can give me your perspective on it. And I'm gonna give you mine in just a second, but first I wanna, I wanna touch on some of the things that you said. First of all, uh, you're a lot more, you, you are way more positive than me, Akeem, in your angle and your perspective on life. And um, I'm sure that right now, uh, humble Akeem is thinking, oh no, blah, blah, blah. You, you are, dude. And I love that. And I need to pick up some pieces of that from you. And this is why I'm in your presence every time that I can be, right? Because I love that. And people need to know that about you and that that's the leader of a leadership journey. And that's what the students are getting from that organization too, with some of that rubbing off. We're talking about biting the hands that feed us. You mentioned uh, getting uh, money from POC. We, Steambox got me. I, I just went on a tirade. Steambox gets money from POC too. And I would hope that Arnell's position on Black Lives Matter has evolved over the years. I would hope that it has. Um, but at, with that as a starting point, that's my perspective into the person that they have leading the community for pe for people of color. And we talked about, we all talked about Angie. There's, there's great people at Rhode Island Foundation. There's great people at United Way. There's probably great pe people at all these places. So I want to, I want to definitely thank you for mentioning that too. But I know we don't have enough time for this topic, but I need to hear what you have to say. I was mentioning this summit that's coming up that's run by the the women's group from the NAACP. Pilar, correct me if I'm wrong at some point. There's a summit coming up and it's an education summit. And I was like, forget changing, forget fixing education. It's not going to happen. Providence is world renowned for having the worst education in, in our country, especially according to a Hopkins report, right? The John Hopkins report. So this, it's documented how bad Providence schools are. Most of us are working with youth from Providence schools. So that's why I want to, I want to ask us this before we uh, shout out our organizations. Um, this group wanted to fix education and I'm like, no, what are some micro things that we can do? And one of the examples was, well, maybe by the end of next year, we can have 70% teachers of color. And I almost choked because it's just, it's, first of all, it's not realistic. 
it's just not a thing that's going to happen this year, right? Like I'm looking for real tangible goals. I don't want to score a touchdown. It's never happened at these summits. I just want to get a first down. Can we keep the ball moving? Sorry for the football analogy. It's just not going to happen. But the other thought that I have about that, many of us here, I know Shonda knows uh, Osha. Osha is one of the most amazing teachers I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And Osha was chased out of the district. She just was by a, by a bully racist assistant principal at Alvarez and, and leadership in general at Alvarez High School after Zawadi had left due to the John Hopkins report. So my question is, even if we had the quantity of teachers so that we can satisfy 70% being teachers of color, why would we even want to put them into Providence schools into such a toxic environment? We would be doing them no justice. Sure, it would be a service to our students, but ultimately probably not, right? Like if we if we can't send them into the toxicity, I know it's very common practice where they send this uh, request for uh, qualifications, right? Where they want to see your qualifications. Michael, what are your qualifications? I seen the John Hopkins report. We know about your racism. We know I've seen teachers call the kids, call kids N-word, right? Like not a teacher that I was present for, teachers, multiple teachers. Like that's not a thing that should ever happen. And I've seen it multiple times. What are your qualifications for Steambox to come in and work with the students? So I'm going to say this. Unfortunately, it's just unfortunately it's just not toxicity because toxicity, we can somewhat remedy, right? We're talking about white supremacy, right? So my thing is you want to increase the number of teachers of color. How are you going to tell me how you're going to retain them? Because you still hire them to be in these same conditions. That's um, number one. Number two, Roberto. You are correct. So we have foundations because, you know, really leveraging terms like racial equity, DEI funding, right? My thing is you are now hosting anti-racist workshops, right? Foundations, schools, like have y'all done the internal work? What you mean you go host anti-racist workshops in the community? We were founded to do anti-racist work. Did y'all do the internal work? Do y'all have the analysis? Like you are not even experts in this shit, right? Like, and that is the story that I was going to say around Rhode Island Foundation. I mean, they, I think like two years ago, on, on you know, Facebook, they were like, we're doing anti-racist workshops. So I, Shonda Wolfett, made a comment. I'm just like, did y'all do the internal work? Because Nellie May did multiple years of internal work before the Ask Community Advisors to join. And my first question was, what have you done so far? So because I'm Shonda Wolfett, guess what? That message was seen. I get an email from the vice president at that time, asked me to go out to lunch. And I was very transparent, like I always, like I'm gonna frame my stuff in really respectful ways, but I'm not sugarcoating anything, right? So I was saying like, if I was somebody random who made that comment, would I have received an email from the vice president? Would I have been offered a lunch invitation? So I think like really your strategy right now is to really kind of silence me because of who I am, right? And but they don't know you at all then because that person went back and is no longer there because I'm pretty sure she said what she had to say or dug a little bit deeper and was like, yo, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I know, Akeem, you had some thoughts, love. Yeah, I, I'm 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 just like I get frustrated when when we as black community, BIPOC community have the opportunity to love on each other, to support each other, and to make sure that nobody outside of those communities can do us harm when we don't stand up for each other. 
when we don't shut conversations down and shut other people down when they start to throw dirt on our name, when they start to uh, try to drag us, quote unquote, right, in, in, in conversations because they don't like how shit is going down, because they don't like the fact that you have community leaders who are not just going to be yes men, yes, yes women, who are not just going to step into uh, each, each room and, and just be silent, right? Because it makes them uncomfortable, right? It, it, it eats at me because we should not be, we should not have uh, uh, folks who look like us in positions of power not holding us down, period. When I, I don't care if on a personal level you don't like somebody, you should never allow somebody who don't look like us be able to drag us through the mud knowing knowing the scope in which we are already working in and living in when it comes to being a black person and a person of color and running these organizations and putting the time in and the work in to do the work that we do if anything if anything if ever that ever comes up you should be able to look back person in the face and say well what are you doing because I know Shana's out here doing it I know Pilar's out here doing it I doing it. I know Elliot. I know young voices are out here doing it. What are you doing? Right? And so it just pissing me off when we have folks who look like us men in these in these positions who are not willing to like sh- shut those conversations down um and, and make sure that that you're supporting and like amplifying the work that folks are actually doing. You don't have to you don't have to agree with with with, with the political or 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 the actions, but if you look like me and you're sitting in one of these foundations, don't let don't let these folks talk about us in any type of way. Akeem, it's somehow it's somehow worse, and and I I've been unable to explain this to people. I had a meeting with I had lunch with Shonda. Last time I had lunch with Shonda was literally as the pandemic was about to break, and um, we out there eating. And I'm trying to explain the situation that's happening at Alvarez High School where, uh, where there's a white girl who works for a, a white organization. Uh, she, she was working for the Boys and Girls Club, which has like a white ED for that branch. And um, and I, I expect whackness, right? Not all the time. Not all white people. I'm not that dude. But like, but I, I'm not, I'm, I'm far less mad at that than I am for the school administrator who was taking their word for it instead of looking at the body of work that Steambox had done there. You know what I mean? Like this motherfucker actually called the cops. He called the cops on Roberto because they told him I don't work there no more. And I'm like, I'm trying to show him my contract. He's like, he, he's uninterested in my contract. Like, first of all, you're you calling the Not only is he doing what you said, Akeem, but he's actually calling the cops like some wild shit. I'm not, I'm far less mad at the people who planted that. Shonda made a note. Shonda, can I read that out loud? Is that like, I won't, she said, bro, I was so pissed. I was so pissed when you said that. So we, we're talking about, we're talking about a principal from Alvarez High School. I won't say his no name, but but y'all can do the math. And Shonda's saying that there's probably some transphobic stuff happening and down for policing. He is, he's a, now a state rep. And in spite of the overwhelming amount of students who want police out of the school because they're not making the schools safer. They're just making the schools more militarized against the students. This dude is out there trying to use his state representative, his politics 
to actually make sure that we have more policing in the schools, right? So yeah, that's the dude. And when she says transphobic, his one of the first things that he did besides call the police on Roberto was take that take that LGBTQ flag down. He was the only school in the city that had the LGBTQ flag up and nope, not on his watch, right? So this is this is that dude. Now, now not the white people involved. The white people are doing what white people do. But for him, man, it just it 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 infuriates me in a whole different way to have like another person of color. You know what I mean? Like in the from the in the community that we're trying to serve so hard, man, that really, really burnt me. I appreciate uh I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, Pilar, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up and get into organization stuff. Uh, but before we do, Pilar, can you can you please tell me what's your experience working with PPSD? Are they not as bad as everybody thinks? They're worse. PPSD has changed over the years so much so that those, in my humble opinion, from my experience, because Roberto, you went to some of those meetings with me. Those in leadership say one thing, but they definitely do another. Even though those people in leadership may look like you and I, they bring in Caucasian people who do not live in our state, have no affinity to our state, and could give a goddamn about our kids into PPSD to make decisions and put them in decision-making roles and pay them money, not get rid of them, yet they are quite problematic. Yes, they know who I'm talking about. It's no one other than who? Joan Jackson. Oh, you think I didn't want to go mention her name? Oh, but I am. And let me tell you something else. PPSD need to sit down with the real community and have a real conversation. But don't worry, they won't. They too busy sitting over there and making sure they all get their benefits, making sure they get their checks cleared, firing anybody who comes against them, and getting rid of black and brown teachers left and right. It's like whack-a-mole over there. You At one point, you didn't know who was going to survive the week. It was like survivor. This black dude, teachers was dropping fast. This dude, uh, Dr. Corey McCarthy, came in and was like head of equity. And he takes me out to lunch. I introduced Akeem because I was like, man, you need to know Akeem and his work. Uh, and he took me out to lunch and he was like, man, not anymore. Not under my watch. We change and stuff. And I was like, no, you, I haven't seen you do anything wrong. I have appreciation for you and in initiating this conversation, but you just, it's an immovable object, object. Like how, how are you going to do it? Here's what I'm looking at. Uh, at Steambox, one moment of joy this year was, um, in, including so many, we did Japan again. Uh, and our students really started developing stuff in virtual reality, which is, has been really dope. But when we got guests doing our intros, uh, WWE champion Sasha Banks, Mercedes from from Boston, she's uh, Afro-Latina, for her to say the name that one week before my student invented the name of that podcast, Mangu Con Salami. So, and, and these students are sharing and sharing ideas about love and romance and what their red flags are and all of those things that were like, that we couldn't talk about in healthy ways. We only talked about in unhealthy ways for me when I was growing up. Man, I had such joy when this when this student heard uh, a wrestler, somebody who's currently on uh, Disney's Mandalorian show, like saying the name that he just created a week before. Man, I love that. I know you must have a dozen that come to mind, and it's hard to pick your first, uh, your favorite baby. But what brought you joy this year from uh, leadership journey? One more thing to add to that: uh, everybody can find Steambox at Steambox RI and all social media platforms. Also, let us know where we can find the leadership journey. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I just want to say something real quick, Roberto, because I think 
this this also gets um their perception of of, of me sometimes get twisted like everything that was a part of this conversation today this podcast today is also everything that i'm about when it comes to maybe folks not hearing much from me it's because i'm literally i i found it extremely challenging at times to survive because i'm living in a state where we don't have the type of funds for me to 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 really take care of what i need to take care of and continue to go do other shit that I want to do when it comes to advocacy. And so I remember when 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 Bro gave us the thousand dollars under the Muse Foundation for our health and wellness program, and he said, King, you always have your head down. We barely hear from you. And I didn't say anything in the moment, but in the moment I said, damn, like you're like that's that's true, right? I can't debate that. Is that Ever since I started ALJ, I've been having to like wire my ass off with my head down, but I'm also paying attention. I'm also watching shit. And I'm also listening to what folks are saying. And so it's like, it's because you don't hear from me out loud, doesn't mean that I'm still not helping to push the agenda that we need pushed in Rhode Island and Providence to help support black and brown folks who are doing this work. I'm still about this conversation and about this life and so i appreciate folks like Bilal and Shonda who have been about this who i continue to learn from but just because akeem lloyd isn't always headlining a conversation about advocacy doesn't mean that i won't talk my shit and and also put you in your place now when it comes to joy i'm actually super are joyful about the fact that we've been persistent for seven years which as small as we've been nobody on payroll to be able to still offer programming to young people for seven years this being year seven lucky year seven that gave me joy this year to be able to go back home to south africa and present uh, uh, one of our alumni awards to the family of a young lady that we lost due to suicide. That gave me joy because we're able to honor her because we named the award after her. And then to be able to welcome in the biggest board that we've ever had, that gave me joy because it, it, it feels like we are taking steps in the right direction, bigger steps in the right direction of, of becoming and transforming into this sustainable organization. And so I know it's not a race and right now we're the tortoise, but as long as young people show up and say, hey, I like what y'all are doing, we're going to continue to serve them. Grants or no grants, the work must be done. And you've proven grants or no grants before. Where can people find out more about a leadership journey and where can people pick up this book? You can always follow our journey on Instagram at a leadership journey, all one word. On Twitter is a underscore L journey. On Facebook, a leadership journey, all one word. Um, the young people started a TikTok that I believe is also a leadership journey, um, but I, 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 I leave that up to them. Um, and then, so that's on social media, the website, a leadership journey.org. Man, and, and do that before you give the Steambox, because here I am in the same community, right? And um, 
I I am I just took a, a group of students to Japan for the third time, and I love the work that I'm doing um, and and mentoring students. But again, that dude that beat me to the house with food for a student during the pandemic, uh, that is forgive me for being gendered for just a moment. That is the most amazing man, not only doing travel programs, not only the most amazing man for young black boys, but the most amazing man mentoring kids in Providence, period. And that's uh, Boston's gain recently. Congratulations on all your recent successes. Pilar, are you ready to share with us a moment of joy that you had with A Sweet Creation? The moment of joy that I had with A Sweet Creation this year was us finally being able to stipend per hour our volunteers who had been doing our admin work forever. That was amazing to finally be able to do programs in, in Central Falls and be able to pay an entire staff and not have to be like, oh Lord, we paid these people, now we broke. To be able to get our website up, A-S-C-Y-O-U-T-H.org, askyouth.org, we got that up and running to be able to add a few new members to our board. And my personal favorite, to get us some merchandise. Oh, I felt good. Shonda Woman been giving me a Rod's merchandise for a minute. And I was able to give her some Sweet Creation merchandise. I was so happy with our shirts. We got bags. We got tumblers. We're going to put them on our website. Some stuff is going to be limited time only. The price is the price. The price today is not going to be the price tomorrow. That's going to be part of a fundraiser. And to just be able to vend at Culture Fest this weekend and see everybody and sell out when we did Venture Cafe. That did it for me. If it, I'm good. I am good. Um, you can find us at on Twitter. We are... ASC Youth Ask Youth um, on Twitter on a sweet on Facebook we are a sweet creation youth org that's an entire word on Instagram we are ASC Youth and the letter eight and you can find us on our website at ASCYouth.org. You can also request us and you can call us if you need any services. We are free for the community. I learned so much from all of these organizations. There's one area that Steambox has got the edge. We got one consistent handle. We just Steambox all right. Just find Steambox. What the hell are you doing, Pilar? What is that? You got a list of this Listen, this way people can't say, oh my God, I was trying to reach you and I couldn't. And you were lying and the, and the truth ain't in you. Because we everywhere, baby. We on Twitter, we on Instagram, we on Facebook, we got a website. You can email us. Don't make me give out the phone number. 914-342-0710. That's 914-342-0710. Give us a call, baby. I'll answer the phone. I watch you deliver content and speeches to crowds where you will at one point punk them off and at the next point be like that's why you need Shonda and they're like oh shit we do I don't I don't know how to do that magic you need to show me Shonda please share with us I'm sorry a moment of joy uh from your organization this year and where can people learn more about Arise I love you too Roberto and I love Pilar and I love Akeem um I think the moment of joy was us sort of reviving our what we call our annual visibility event where young people basically plan from start to finish and take center stage and talk about their work. And when I tell you, 
we have middle schoolers take center stage and talk about the ways that the Arise space has impacted them, it really affirms why we exist, right? Um, and it continues to fuel the labor, fuel the work. Um, I will say here that I am um, plan planning to transition in a year and a half. So y'all heard it here first publicly, right? Um, but you can learn more about us on Twitter at Arise Education, Instagram, Arise, two sort of um, underscores, R-I. And don't be asking, Roberto, the reason why shit is different is because somebody else had Arise Education on, on Instagram. So we got to find something else. And then our website is www.ariseeducation.org and Arise and Education shares the same E. And that's how y'all interact with us. Akeem is going to be in his destination of New Jersey before y'all finish giving your social media handles with all your underscores and shit. This has been real. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for all of your time. Please do reach out. If you're one of our audience members, please do reach out and find out more about these amazing organizations. And we ain't the only ones, man. There's a lot of dope stuff happening in Providence. You hear a lot of bad shit because there's a, a lot that needs to be improved. But man, look these people up because these people are my heroes. Thank you very much. I just Peace. Have a picture. I'm posting it. And <laughs> do that. Post it. Peace out, world. <laughs>